Hello and welcome to the Northwestern Baseball Podcast. This is episode number seven and the cats are doing well as always when we do these podcasts. You know, as soon as we've started recording them, teams really turned it around. Uh, I'm Amit Malik, here as always joined by Henry Demore and Josh Burton, uh, two familiar faces around the team for those who have followed us this year on WNUR Sports. And how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Uh, a little worried about not great weather in Evanston tonight. That's why the Northwestern game against Chicago State was postponed. But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, no, can't complain. I'm doing well. Yeah, all, all things considered, pretty good all around. Um, let's get into it, guys. Northwestern is 5-7 and seven in the Big Ten conference play, which leaves them tied for eighth place. And the overarching theme, you know, to today's podcast is that Northwestern is shooting to make the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2010, which is what we found out today. Good good stuff by us research. And to do that, they need to finish in eighth place in conference. And for the first time, you know, I think all of us can really remember, we weren't here in 2010, Northwestern is playing high-stakes baseball in late April against a Michigan State team that is also 5-7 and seven in conference. So just a really good interesting time for Northwestern baseball now. We're going to start with how we got to 5-7. and seven. This weekend, Northwestern came off of a three-game series against Penn State and won two games. Let's start with overall impressions from the series before we really dive into it. Just 20, 30 seconds each of you. What are your What's your main takeaway from the series this weekend? Well, I think the offense is really rounding into form. We were talking about it before uh, we started recording today. Joe Hoshite, obviously, been the Big Ten Player of the Week the last two weeks. He's been kind of leading the charge for them. And guys that kind of struggled towards the beginning of the year, Jack Dunn, uh, who was so important last year, is finally starting to get on base. He's been playing well for the last couple of weeks. And the big thing has just been extending these rallies. They had a nine-run inning in that game on Friday, a nine-run sixth inning. Guys like Willie Bourbon contributing, Ben Dickey, who were – under the Mendoza line earlier this year, and now they're hitting the ball hard, uh, a lot of solid contact. And, yeah, it's just guys getting on base. Northwestern is not going to hit that many home runs. They're really uh, maybe not a station-to-station type of team, but they're a team that they, they're they not going to score a bunch of run. They're not going to get a bunch of runs on one hit. It's going to be they have to string them together, and when they can do that, they can score really quickly and put up big numbers. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I agree with uh, with. Pretty much everything that Josh said. Uh, the one thing that's kind of concerning for me, and I, I trust he'll he'll turn around, but it's uh, Alex Arrow at the top of the order has kind of hit a wall. He's won for his last 16, and while you said like, I mean, it is great to see Jack Dunn, Willie Bourbon, and Connor, Connor Lind is hitting 333 in conference play, right? Joe Hoshite's hitting the cover off the ball, and the rest of the offense, kind of the five through nine spots, are contributing in a way that they hadn't really um, in games past in a non-conference, uh, and I think. Honestly, the most, the two most valuable have been Jack Dunn hitting in that two spot, like finally moving him there. He's gotten his feedback under him, and Joe Hoshai providing the pop. His average has been pretty much fine through uh, conference play, but the power is now coming back, and he's the one guy that could, like you were saying, uh, really turn the game around with one swing. And they need a guy like that. It helps the rest of the lineup, you know. Like when pitchers know they've they have to be afraid of Joe Hoshai. They know what he's been he's been doing lately, so. It forces guys to give better pitches to Matt Hoffner, to guys earlier in the order, Dunn, Arrow. So while maybe for Arrow, I mean, guys hit a freshman wall at some point or a sophomore wall, whatever, whatever sport you're referring to. But, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be really fair to expect him to be as good this entire season as he was in the beginning of the season against maybe not as good pitching now, better pitchers in uh, the Big Ten, a lot of more veterans. But, mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, I think that there's there's definitely reason. I mean, if Joe Hoshe is going to keep hitting like this, Northwestern is still going to get those pitches to hit, and I think that a guy like Arrow, he can definitely figure it out. He's definitely not a loss for the season, and if Northwestern has <coughs> been able to win without much from him, I think that's a good sign going forward. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, to kind of bounce off that, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, people forget that, you know, Joe Hoshe, yeah, he's hitting the cover off the ball right now, but the beginning of the season, non-conference play was rough for Joe Hoshe. I mean, he couldn't get his average above 200 there for a bit, and then he just got it over 300 around conference play. But, it, it you know, I mean, like, like you said, that is a good point that temp- temporary expectations for Alex Arrow, as phenomenal as he was in the beginning of, in the beginning of the season in non-conference, I mean, he is still a freshman. Um, so I think, yeah, exp- yeah, the expectations need to be tempered a bit. Yeah, fair stuff. Um, we'll talk more about as we get in. Certainly something to keep your eye on, and it's tough when you're a freshman when Big Ten teams, you know, definitely read up and do the scouting report and, you know, can kind of figure out what you're doing. We saw a similar thing with Jack Dunn last year at the end of his freshman season. Let's get into the games. Northwestern won the first game in the series 12-5 against the Nittany Lions, and really a tale of two separate games in this one. Sal Biazzi, the Penn State starter, really effective, one of the best pitchers in the Big Ten, really quieted Northwestern. Northwestern was trailing 4-1 until this ridiculous sixth inning where they scored nine runs and made it 10-4 in one inning. And that really was the story of the game. What do you guys take away from this one and just, I don't know, make some sense of this one? (laughs) Well, I think the big innings have definitely been uh, a theme this season, along with the comebacks late in games like Northwestern. As you said, a lot of these beginning of games are kind of sluggish, or maybe not sluggish, but really not getting anything on the board. And that has led to them having to fight back from a lot of these deficits, but... The good thing about being a contact-driven uh, team and not having to rely on the home run is that stuff like this happens where you can kind of get into a groove and it's everyone kind of contributing and it can force a pitcher like Sal Biazzi out of a game quickly if he just lets, if he gets a few guys on base. In college, there's a lot of errors that can extend innings. There are a bunch of errors and wild pitches in that inning. So just that that continually forcing a pitcher to always have to make a good pitch is, is really uh, draining to pitchers, it's not really sustainable for them. So I think that that's where that approach has really uh, worked for Northwestern and getting getting into teams' bullpens earlier in the game. Yeah, and it certainly helps that Penn State is one of the worst fielding teams in the Big Ten, second worst uh, with a 958 fielding percentage. But, I mean, in Game 2, which I don't want to get too much into that, but they did make five errors in Game 2, and they it seemed like they couldn't throw the ball where they wanted it to. But that goes uh, so hand-in-hand with, I mean, a pitcher. If, like, a, if you as a pitcher psychologically can't trust your defense you're, you're so f- that's that's like you said that that's a draining i mean you can't focus on the batter because all you're thinking about is well i gotta make a perfect pitch because my defense is falling apart right now instead of just pitching you know making guys hit it and being focused on cha- focusing on challenging them uh, i mean it's it's two different ball games and it has a potential for a big beginning like that it can snowball yeah <clears throat> definitely the mental process is something that's worked both ways for northwestern this year their fielding has been you know pretty outstanding. I know going into this series, their fielding percentage was 25th in the country, which has been excellent, and it's allowed Josh Reynolds to tell his pitchers, you know, to attack batters, don't worry about it, let them put the ball in play, let your defense take care of it, and I can't I can't imagine what the, I mean, I'm sure we've seen it, but what the opposite would be like, I was there, and it just seemed like every Penn State reliever, like, had, you know, the command was gone, and they just didn't want to, you know, give anything to hit, so they were just going for the corners every time, and try to do too much and when you take too much on yourself 
it just it just really snowballed. So I, I definitely agree with that point. Offensively for Northwestern, you know, quietly, you know, not one of their best offensive games. They really were beneficiary to all these wild pitches, uh, four in a row at one point. But you know, Joe Hoshai, three RBIs again, and you know, pretty solid performance from everyone in the lineup, at least getting on base one or two times. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Uh, and it's just, it, it's a top-down thing, you know? It's not just one or two players kind of driving the force. It's everyone uh, top-down in that entire lineup. And I think that that's definitely, uh, when you have that reliance, it's not, it, it can kind of, you can kind of work around the slump of a guy like Alex Arrow because a lot of guys are contributing. You don't, it, it's a pretty, it's bound, I mean, Joe Hoshite's been leading the way, but it's, it, the lineup has definitely been more balanced this season. And I think a guy that we definitely can uh, note take note of is Jack Clace, who we weren't sure what the catching situation was going to be this year. Was, I think Spencer Allen told me it was going to be a platoon, and Jack Clays really has has taken the starting role and kind of run with it. And he's batting 270. He's been driven in a lot of runs, getting on base almost uh, at an almost 400 clip. Yeah, and Spencer Allen has told me that's exactly what he spec for expects from Jack Clays. He's doing his role to a T. You know, he doesn't have to hit a ton of home runs. He doesn't have to be the most offensive guy in the lineup, but when you're in the five spot and your on-base percentage is close to 400, you know, that's really awesome for your catcher. Um, Jack Dunn in this one got two hits and walked two times. He really got on base a lot. And one thing I was impressed about uh, was the bottom of the order, Willie Bourbon and Ben Dickey, uh, each with two hits, and Ben Dickey also with two walks, Willie Bourbon with the walk, and, you know, just a really good performance from the bottom of them. How important is it, Henry, when the you just get that consistency in the bottom half. It's huge because then it sets up the top half, right? I mean, Joe Hoshite's home runs are only as valuable as the guys in front of him, right? I mean, and getting on base, Northwestern's not a characteristically speedy team, but I think what uh, a part of what has driven Northwestern's success recently is, yeah, the bottom of the lineup started hitting, yeah, Jack Dunn started hitting, but those are two of the fastest guys on the team, right? We, Northwestern doesn't have a lot of traditional base-dealing threats, but with Dickey and uh, with Dickey and Dunn on base, they're, you know, they're not... There, there are other teams in the Big Ten that are much faster, but a base-stealing threat is a base-stealing threat. And yeah. it just, yeah, more runners in scoring position means more base hits that result in runs. Yeah, and I think Willie Bourbon's a really important guy, too, because he was see, another sophomore, had a really impressive freshman year, showed a lot of power, and he's never really completely gotten on track this year. I mean, he's been he's been a little better lately, but nothing compared to what he was last year, still batting under 200. But he has a lot of power from the left uh from the left-handed batter's box, and Northwestern doesn't have that many powerful lefties. It's a very righty-dominant lineup, so I think adding that uh, ad- adding that factor in in a guy like Bourbon, who you can trust to drive the ball every now and then uh, out of the park, uh, is really important because you can't... I mean, if you're just a, a righty-dominant lineup, it's easy for pitchers to get into a groove. They see guys in the same batter's box every plate appearance in and out. It's a lot easier to have that that approach, and to kind of throw a guy like Willie Bourbon in the bottom of the lineup. I think if he keeps hitting, maybe he'll move him. Spencer Allen might move him up a bit if the team is struggling, but I think that that's a really important uh, dimension that he brings and that Northwestern hasn't had much of this year, but he definitely, uh, if he can keep hitting, will definitely bring that to the table. Yeah, pitching-wise for Northwestern in this one, four and two-thirds for Cooper Weatherby. Not one of his best starts, but he certainly held things, you know, in striking distance Northwestern, a huge out for the game for Tyler Lass. The game was 4-1 in the bottom of the fifth, and he inherited two runners from Weatherby. Lass got an out with two outs. 
huge out, kept it at three runs, and then came that big sixth inning. Pete Hoffman threw two, Danny Katz threw one, J.R. Reimer threw one, so a solid bullpen performance from the Wildcats. Let's move on to the game on Saturday. <laughs> Northwestern also won this one 7-4, to four. and another curious game that they, they pulled out. They were actually out-hit 6-9 to nine by the Nittany Lions, but more fielding problems for Penn State, but a good pitching performance from Northwestern, especially when the game, they got it out to a 7-1 lead. Henry, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh... Hank Christie, he's he had he had a couple of rough starts there in early conference play, but he seems to have found this groove. But like you said, I mean, th- this this was so so encouraging, especially given the trouble that Northwestern has had with that Friday starter spot with Tommy Boarding on. Now Cooper Weatherby, I trust he's going to be the guy that they send uh, to the bump this this coming Friday. But with Christie as well, I mean, it's it's so huge because then you don't have to you, you know bullpen guys can be bullpen guys. And you don't have to try to groom Tommy Bordignan or uh, Sam Lawrence, you know, as, as a lefty or, uh, or J.R. Reimer to be, you know, come in and do long relief, right? You don't have to make Matt Gannon uh, or Pete Hoffman throw four or five innings apiece. Bullpen guys can focus on being, you know, Aroldis Chapmans and, and stuff like that. You're, you come in, you get one inning out of them, and you know they're, you're going to give them your all. Uh, and it gives, you know, when you have a rested bullpen and you, when, you, when you have guys like Chrissy that'll go six innings, all Sam Lawrence has to do is come in two innings in a weekend and maybe in a tight spot, and that's that's so big. Yeah, I thought getting out of this game with just two pitchers was a huge benefit for Spencer Allen, and it definitely gave him more options on Sunday, which we'll talk about in a minute. That was a weird game, but Penn State throwing their starter, Justin Hageman, who actually is pretty good talent-wise. Will Greer was telling me on the broadcast that this guy pitched at the Cape in the summer. MLB guys were looking at him as a prospect. But his kind of command really just evaded him, especially when he had runners on base. And Northwestern, I thought, was really smart on the base pass and capitalized on a lot of mistakes from this porous Penn State defense. Yeah, and just and really aggressive as well. That's all I really wanted to say, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we, we said before, like when you force, uh, I think this is definitely like a change in mindset maybe from the beginning of the season with this team, is that when you force the defense to make plays, especially in college, I mean... They're gonna it's they're gonna really, yeah. reward you yeah. for for yeah. testing them. You, you gotta, got you just gotta put the ball in play. You gotta yeah. challenge them. And I mean, we saw Northwestern did strike out seven times, five of those coming from two guys. So I think overall, like they're just doing a better job of making contact than at the beginning of the season. And it just goes in. That's just like the type of team that they are, and uh, it, it works. And I'd, I maybe it's hard to give Northwestern credit, as, as you kind of alluded to before, for these pitchers command problems and all the wild pitches they've seen but i think it definitely like we've seen it when northwestern's pitchers obsess about guys on base it affects your motion and it affects your mindset going to the plate and maybe north something northwestern is doing on the bases is just it's kind of messing with pitchers they, it's causing these wild they pitches. have so speed guys on base, th- it works they have speed throughout their lineup alex arrow pretty quick jack don definitely probably fastest base runner on the team. And then at the bottom, you've got Willie Bourbon, Ben Dickey, Charlie Maxwell. I think those are all guys who are who are really speedy. And then even Joe Hosha and Matt Hoffner, you know, I wouldn't call them speedy as in, like, when you compare them to the other guys on the team, but definitely smart, advantageous runners on the base pass. Jack Dunn uses speed to great effect here. He only had one hit in this game, but had a walk and reached on error, and he managed to score three runs, yeah. which is really good work from... Your sophomore, and one thing that I mentioned on the broadcast is that I think Dunn has really been exhibiting a lot of leadoff hitter type of qualities, and you know maybe it's coupled with with Alex Arrow. He's struggling a little bit from the plate, and this isn't to 
say that he should be leading off, but it's got to be really nice when your one-two both can get on base a ton and score a ton. Yeah, and I will say this. I mean, Arrow, He even though he is one of his last 16, none of those 15 outs have been strikeouts. He's put and the ball in Alex play Arrow every never, single time. He never strikes he out. He has no, that's nine, a, yeah. nine strikeouts in 154 play yeah, appearances. So, I mean, he's due, right? You put the ball in play, like something's going to happen. So we could talk about it right now is that he has a really aggressive strategy at the plate. Anything in his zone he thinks he can hit, he's going to swing at. And pretty much any fastball, he, he's got this you know really innate ability to just make contact with the fastball. Mm-hmm. Always, always on it. The thing is, he's so aggressive is that pitchers throw him stuff on the outside of the plate, especially because he's a switch hitter, so they, you know... It's just they know he's dangerous if you give him something in the inside and he's going to turn on it. They throw him outside and high and he swings and it's usually just, for whatever reason, hit hard but not where he wants it. But I think you said he's due and obviously we could talk about that yeah. being a true concept of do-ness Baseball's a funny game like that, yeah, exactly. But he's making good contact and he doesn't strike out and I think eventually things are going to turn around for him. We also don't have the advantages of more advanced stats, I'm sure his BABIP is very low, or like yeah. very low compared to what you his like average, so yeah, like when, I mean guys go through slumps, there's no real way to predict it, it's, that's why baseball is such an interesting sport, but yeah, when you get the your bat on the ball sometimes like, games can change just on like a blue pit with guys on base or something like that, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, let's run quickly through the last game of this series. Northwestern falls to Penn State in a walk-off, 2-1. to one. Really tough loss for the Wildcats. They were looking for the sweep. Really disappointed. The pitching in this one was excellent from Northwestern, but it also was excellent from Penn State. Offensively, only three hits. They really couldn't get the bats going. And the interesting point I, th- I want to talk about is Sam Lawrence came in to pitch the eighth and the ninth inning in this game. He came into a jam in the eighth inning, had the bases loaded with one out, and got out of it. But then in the ninth inning, the bases were also loaded, and he couldn't get out of it. What do you think about Spencer Allen's decision to use his freshman lefty two days in a row, which is a a heavy workload? But I think Sam Lawrence was up to the task. It's just I don't know what the best course of action for that ninth inning was. I like it. I mean, it's showing confidence in your pitchers, and that's what I, I think that baseball is interesting in that, like, confidence is so important. Obviously, it's important in every sport, but I think with pitchers, it's such a mental uh, part of the game that it's really important. And maybe going off no rest for uh, a freshman pitcher might not always work out, but Lawrence has been really impressive for them out of the bullpen, only giving up four runs since the end of March or something. He's been really good. So I, I do like that uh, that confidence and just showing that he I, I thought he was he can get guys out. He was a rock star in the eighth inning when he got out of that gym, had a really good catch from Jack Dunn and then a fly out. The ninth inning was tough because the bases got loaded, the control just wasn't quite, quite where he wanted it, but I don't think you're going to take him out at that point. You know what I mean? Like, what what are you going to do? It's Sunday, the last game in the series, and this is, you know, they already used Pete Hoffman. What's your what's your best option? Mm-hmm. They use Levy, too. Levy, Hoffman, and Lawrence are your three best bullpen guys. No, exactly. And Lawrence is a lefty. You need, you need to be able to switch that up. He's kind of the, the lefty specialist. And the Wildcats have the fortune of having a, like, they have the, the huge bullpen. They have a lot of arms. 
kind of don't know who's going to show up on any given day, but they do have a lot of like one inning and one out specialists. Um, so I think the the bullpen yeah. depth is fine, but I, I you can't. I don't think you can knock Spencer Allen for trusting his guy. And I I thought he made the right decision. Just interesting to see that here we are in a huge game, eighth and ninth inning. Sam Lawrence who just pitched. I think that speaks a lot to the the fact that Lawrence is you know really a fireman role, like you said, yeah. the Chapman of a bullpen, or really the Andrew Miller kind of you know high leverage situation. Offensively for Northwestern. Not a great performance. Only three hits. One of those was a solo home run from Joe Hoshite. I should probably mention now that we've gone this far in the podcast. Uh, Joe <laughs> Hoshite is the back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Week, which is super impressive. And I'm, I'm sure I'll, in my interview with one of the coaches, I'll ask about that. So if you're tuning into that part of the podcast, you won't have to wait so long. But, you know, other than Hoshite, what was going on with the line today? Just not their day? I guess. Yeah. It was it was it weird. Is, the third Penn State pitcher, Eric Mock, who not as not as talented, doesn't have the pedigree of the first two they saw on Friday and Saturday, end up being the one to stifle them and he wasn't striking them out a ton. You know, Eric Mock threw six innings. All right, five strikeouts, not bad, but it was a lot of, you know, pop ups, fly outs, ground outs, just really weird stuff. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I, I can't put it. Maybe it's frustration trying to maybe overswing or overcorrect. You start rolling over on balls. You start doing what what I do and I am softball and just get way out in front of some pitches and just get under everything. It it did seem like Will was saying this. I, I keep relying on him because I think he has a good eye for what's going on in a baseball game. That it all looked like pitches they could really hit. They all looked really appealing, and for whatever reason, they weren't. But mm-hmm. like, how Henry? I'm asking you. This is someone that has you know I think some baseball experience. How does a pitch look so good to hit that you can't make good contact with? I for, for me, it was always like overswinging, just kind of getting in, getting in my own head. Uh, and it was a three day road trip that was a how, how long was that bus ride, Amit? Twelve hours one way. Woof. Um, that's that's rough. <laughs> so you could you contribute to exhaustion or just frustration that you know, like the last two games, the Wildcats exploded what nineteen runs over those two games, and then Hoshite's the only one that you know gets a good swing on a ball. And it was one time in his four at bats. I don't know. Uh, finally, get excited that oh man, I got a pitch low and in the zone. You just swing right through it. Right. Yeah. You just, for me, that that's what I see. You just get too excited. You get frustrated. You start trying to you know, especially when it is a close game. Right. It's a tie game. You try to win it with one swing. Right. And that and that goes against what North when Northwestern exactly. is built. That's not exactly. they're not a team. They didn't have any home runs in the first two games of that and series. Yeah, that's not the way they're built. Honestly, we know what their lineup is, and it's about stringing together a lot of base hits, getting guys on as much as they can. Anything else to write home about this one? Yeah, and I think we got to give the Penn State pitcher credit, Penn State pitching staff credit to only two walks, no wild pitches after a bunch of wild pitches in the other games. And yeah, it was, Northwestern just needs guys to get on. That kind of that's kind of how they make their stuff happen when the pitchers are pitching out of the stretch, and it, it just didn't happen. I think there's just some games you can chalk it up to the pitcher did a pretty good job there. Good stuff from Penn State. That'll wrap up this series. So Northwestern went two and one. It was definitely good to win the series, which they've got to be proud of, but disappointing that they couldn't sweep a team that was last in the Big Ten. Before we move on to previewing Michigan State, I think we kind of talked about the standings a little, but let's let's you know really give them a a quick but in-depth look. Northwestern tied with Michigan State for at 5 and 7. Both have 5 Big 10 series left. I guess 4 now after this Penn State series. What does Northwestern have to do realistically to to slot into this Big 10 tournament? 
Well, I think they definitely have to take at least two of three from Michigan State, as we said before, Northwestern and Michigan State uh, tied right now. So uh, I'm not really sure what the tie-breaking rules are. I assume it would be head-to-head. Um, uh, head-to-head records. Correct. So obviously getting that tie-break would be big and just getting that uh, one-game advantage with two tough series on the road against Purdue and Maryland coming up before maybe a bit of an easier one to close out the regular season against Rutgers. So, yeah, Northwestern has to take advantage of the ones they can get, especially at home, too. Like, Northwestern, they're playing on their... I mean, they haven't had much of a home field advantage, but they know what the wind patterns at a place like Rock and Barron East Miller Park, and especially in the spring, ball could be flying out to left field, so they need to take advantage of that. Uh, as I look at the standings, a slight adjustment. At the time of recording, Rutgers has moved in to that eight spot with a four and five record, but they've played considerably less game, well, three less games than uh, Michigan State and Northwestern. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it shakes up. Henry, series by series, what do you, what are the goals, the benchmarks for the team? Um, you know, it's it's like it's like uh, it's like my dad always says: the key to the key to the baseball season is just to keep winning series. Um, and I think you know did a good job of that versus Penn State, honestly. Maybe, you know, hindsight's obviously twenty twenty. I don't know how much even is worth to talk about this, but that Indiana series at home getting swept, I think that's going to sting the most. More than anything that happens like down the line, I think that is going to sting the most. Indiana, okay, they're sitting in the middle of the Big Ten. What, they're 8-6-1. and one. They're a good team, but I think getting swept at home, not the way you want to start that out. Um, Iowa was a big series win. Um, I just think you take two out of three from every team except Maryland and I think you're good because Maryland is playing out of their minds, and they're what well, they've got one loss at home. And that series and one is, at home. Jeez Louise! I mean, yeah, like that's. I mean, obviously, you know, don't concede the series mentally, right? And I think it's you know, I think it's an attitude shift that Northwestern baseball's had this year. Um, so I think they're gonna go out there and play their butts off. But um, I think Maryland's gonna be what it'll be. But control your controllables in these kind of middle, upper middle tier Big Ten teams, especially this series at home against Michigan State that is better than their record. Well, let's talk about it. Let's get into this. We've got about four or five minutes for a preview of the Spartans. They're five and seven in conference, but above five hundred on their overall record. And Henry, I know we've looked at their schedule. Why is this a deceiving five and seven team in conference? Or who might be a pretty talented Michigan State team? Yeah, I mean, if you look at their uh, their statistical rankings in uh, in the Big Ten, they've got the they they got the third best team batting average at two eighty seven, and the fourth best team ERA at three eighty three. So you know. Numbers don't lie, but then also against uh, these, you know, Michigan State, they're five and seven in conference. Five of those losses have come to the top two teams in Maryland and Minnesota, right? They salvaged one game against uh, against Minnesota, and they took two out of three from Ohio State. That's in the cellar uh, of the Big Ten, which maybe is disappointing that they didn't sweep the Buckeyes. Exactly, in the right. same vein, it was disappointing for the Wildcats not to sweep Penn State. Bingo, couldn't agree with you more. And then the other loss, they kind of played one game in the middle of the week against Michigan, also a very good team. Um, yeah, they've they've had a rough go at it in the conference. They got a they got a crummy draw. Looking yeah. at their roster, let's start with the the batting. Who really stands out to you? Yeah, I think uh, Dan Durkin, obviously six home runs. The interesting they have three Michigan State has thirty eight home runs as a team. Three players have six home runs: Dan Durkin, Zach McGuire, and Marty Bikina. And yeah, like it's kind of like Northwestern in that there's not one player that is like. This guy is their best offensive but player. It, the one a thing, lot of one thing that's that different that really than Northwestern good. is we have a lot of players that we are improving and hitting well, 
but they have a lot of players who are flat out, no good. doubt, yeah, no improvement needed. Or just yeah. That's true. There's just a lot, like, I mean, I, I'm a little worried for the Northwestern pitching staff. I mean, there's really no breaks in that in the Michigan State lineup no. from top to bottom. Everyone can hit a yeah. home run, I, uh, especially here in Evanston. I mean, you get one of those windy days at Rocky and Bernie's Mill Park. Mm-hmm. Balls are flying over yeah. the left field fence, which could be a problem. And Henry, you saw that at Illinois, that one game where the balls were really flying. Oh, yeah. Before we talk about Michigan State's pitching, I think if Northwestern wants to win this series, it's going to be have to have to be like that Iowa series at home when Iowa came in a pretty you know more talented team, but Northwestern just you know kind of rattled them early in the series, never gave up, and used their pitching staff to their advantage to just not let the game escape from them. I think if they play clean baseball and keep it close, they have a chance at home. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I th- but I, I think um, while Northwestern has thrived on the beginning uh, and, and comebacks and such, um, I think limiting the beginning, like that was, I was I was down there at, uh, at in Champaign, and what killed uh, Northwestern was like, was, was one big inning where the and, bullpen just couldn't get an out for whatever reason. You eliminate a big inning and stop the bleeding like that. And that's just a team that, that's the thing that separates the good teams from the great teams. Spencer Allen has always talked about his goal is to just stop those one big innings. And I thought they did a good job of that this weekend against Penn State. But against a team like Michigan State, they've got to especially be on their guard because a big inning like that could really sink a series. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the Iowa series, and what I thought was interesting about that one is that Northwestern was killed on Friday. They lost 14-2 to in that game, and they look like they didn't belong in the same stadium as Iowa. And then the next two games, they have big comebacks, win both games, uh, both pretty close ones. And asking, talking to Spencer Allen after the game, like the big thing was that his team wasn't like shell-shocked from that initial loss and that they kept fighting, kept pushing. And I think that we could definitely see a similar thing like, I could see Michigan State dropping double-digit runs in a blowout win on Friday. It depends how Northwestern can respond from uh, something like that. Certainly, any adversity, they can't just let themselves get down. They need to yeah. keep fighting this whole weekend, which we know this team will do. I'll put you guys to the spot, if you're okay with it, for some predictions for this weekend. Uh, we always check back with predictions from last week. Last week... Uh, Matt McHugh predicted a clean sweep of the Nittany Lions. He certainly was close. It was two games out of three, one game off. What are you guys predicting for this weekend? I'm unfortunately not too confident. I think Northwestern only takes one of the three, just because Michigan State is a is as bad. It's just a bad matchup for them. I think like Northwestern's pitchers, they struggle when they try to be too perfect, and they end up those walk marathons and those lead to those mm-hmm. big innings. But if Northwestern lets Michigan State just hit the ball like a lot of those are going to go over the fence i think like this is not a team that is you can deal with them with they're going to hit a lot of like contact they're going to be hitting the ball hard and especially depending on the win like that could be that could not work out so well so i'm only and one thing that they differ from two of the hardest hitting teams that have come to evanston air force and iowa the thing that was different was their pitching staff wasn't as as talented as this Michigan State pitching staff is. We didn't really get to talk about them that much, but I'm sure you'll hear on these broadcasts this weekend, these are a lot of talented pitchers coming to face the Wildcats. Henry, what's your prediction? Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm between one and two. I like to be optimistic, and I do think, I don't know, this, this maybe isn't a the magical season for Northwestern, but it's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, so, I don't know. I think, to me, the difference between one and two is going to come down to whether they can shift um, and not, like, not play like play down to Penn State's level and then just get surprised by Michigan State. 
right? Um, I think coming back home will help. I think, uh, I don't know, the wind obviously works in favor of both teams. Um, it's going to come down to the... I, I'll go with a cool, optimistic two out of three. All right, but uh, that's what we like to. But hear. everything's going to have to go right. I mean, the yeah. big the beginning can't happen. The bullpen's got to be pretty much top notch. You got to have a guy like Hoffman that can go long relief if you need it. But if you avoid long relief, if you avoid a beginning, the offense will do its thing. The offense, I don't think, is a concern at all. But the pitching yeah. is going to have to find a way around these Michigan State hitters. We'll see how it goes this weekend. A huge series for the Northwestern Wildcats. We'll have all three games on the air and a special treat on Saturday. Henry and Josh will be on the call together. So it'll be a fun one. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Northwestern Baseball Podcast, the only podcast exclusively covering Northwestern baseball. And now we have our interview with Dusty Napoleon. Hello, I'm Mitt Malik, and I'm joined this week by Dusty Napoleon, coach of Northwestern Wildcats, assistant coach. How are you doing this week? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to have Dusty on this week. We've been having Spencer, but this is a fresh new perspective for us, and we're really <laughs> excited. Let's get it started. Northwestern won two out of three games at Penn State, but the first thing I want to ask you about the story, really, the last two weeks has been Joe Hoshite, mm-hmm. back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Week, first player in Northwestern history to do that since 2006. You know, what does it mean when you have a senior like Joe that's just really hitting the ball really well? Yeah, he's seeing the ball great right now. Um, he's worked really, really hard um, getting his swing grooved up. Um, you know, the biggest thing we, we always talk about is, you know, you can't control the hits, um, but you can control what pitches you swing at. And um, he's getting good pitches to hit. Um, he's putting good swing on it and um, you know, hitting the ball hard, and, and he's, he's finding holes right now. And just to follow up to that, how has it helped your lineup when – I saw this weekend you guys moved him up from four to three. Obviously, both Matt Hoffer and Jehoshet, two of your most capable hitters. But how has that allowed you to just tinker with things a little offensively? Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great having a senior presence in there with with him and Hoppy three four. You know, you can flip those guys any day. Um, but Hosh is, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to ride the hot bat right now. Um, he's getting guys on base, and, and it's nice to have Hoppy hidden behind him as well. Um, just because he's had success as well. So, you know, with, with those two guys in the middle of the order, um, we just got to get guys on base, and, and uh, Alex and Jack are doing a good job. And the bottom of the order, too, um, you know, when Sheebs and, and Dickey are in there at the bottom of the order, those guys are getting on, and, and uh, it you know, seems like every inning, Hosh comes up to bat um, with guys on base, and he's producing for us. So let's uh, talk about this weekend, starting with Friday's game. 12-5 uh, to 5 win for, for Northwestern. I thought this was kind of two games in one, <laughs> and it all really changed in that sixth inning. Let's talk about how were you able to kind of rally against a really talented yeah. pitcher in Sal Biazzi. You know, he kind of had your number, but then you guys kind of worked, mm-hmm. worked him, got into the bullpen, and that huge sixth inning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was the strategy there? Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, we talked about going into the game as really battling Biazzi, um, making him throw – um, no, no quick early outs against him. Um, we just, we got his pitch count up. You know, he was at 96 pitches after five, and I think they had a little bit longer at the bottom half of the inning. So he was kind of sitting there for a little bit, and we knew his pitch count was high from the week before. So really, just battling him, and uh, we started off with two walks um, in the sixth inning and got him out of there. And once, once he was out of there, you know, our, our plan is to get to the bullpen in the middle, in the middle of the game. Um, and our guys, you know, you kind of see. You know, see their eyes light up, and they were going to to bullpen at uh, Penn State, who's been struggling a little bit. Um, and our guys just battled and, and put you know put good at bats together one after another, and led to a big inning. And you know, you're coaching the team on the base pass and four wild pitches. I know you know <laughs> Penn State has its own issues defensively, but 
one thing I've noticed, you know, just has been a strategy. You guys have been really aggressive running the bases. You know, what's gone into that? And how are you able to capitalize to yeah. score so many runs? Yeah, you know, I think that's something that we talked about as a staff um, in the off season was, you know, we have to find ways to score runs, um, you know, in different ways. Um, and, you know, looking at our roster this year, we thought we had, um, you know, some, some good athletes to take advantage of, of running the bases. And, and, you know, we just talked to the guys, and it's, it's a mindset. Um, you know, Coach Allen has done a good job with those guys, just, you know, um, you know talking to them in the dugout about tells and reads and, and what we can do um, on the base pass. And those guys just go out and execute the plan. And pitching-wise for Northwestern in this win, a solid start from Cooper Weatherby. But I thought, you know, one of the outs of the game was Tyler Lass coming into that jam in the bottom of the fifth. How did he really, you know, change the game and set up the rest of the way for a good bullpen outing? Yeah, last was huge there. Um, you know, Cooper gave us a good go, um, as he always does. Um, our guys have a lot of confidence when, when Cooper's out there. Um, but last coming in that situation with Willie Berger up, who's been one of their, um, you know, more productive guys um, this year and last year. And, uh, you know, last just executed a good pitch. I think it was a 2-0 count. And, and um, you know, the ball doesn't go anywhere in that park. Um, and, and I think Sheber or, or Dickey ran that one down, and it was a big out for us. Uh, some solid performances at the back end of the bullpen in that one. Pete Hoffman, Jer Reimer. There's one other that I'm missing. But we're going to move on to Saturday, mm -hmm. another good win for Northwestern. This one was curious because you were actually out hit by Penn State. But I thought another strong performance on the base pass again. Who offensively helped you guys win this game? Yeah, um, you know, our, our guys, one through nine, battled. Um, it, it, was, it was a pretty good arm that we saw. Again, game plan was, hey, we, we got to try to get to the bullpen. Um, but I think, uh, you know, get just up and down the lineup, you know, Alex Arrow hit some balls hard, you know, didn't, didn't get a lot of hits for it, but hit some balls hard. And, and his leadoff at bat Friday and Saturday, both, I think, eight, nine, ten pitch at bats, kind of set the tone for, for, for our lineup. Um, but again, Hosh came up big. You know, Hoppy, Hoppy had a big, I think, uh, RBI double there to, to really get us going. So, you know, we, we look to the seniors, you know, we look to the seniors to, to get it going, and then um, everybody else kind of falls in line. And before they kind of tack some, on, tack some runs on towards the end of the game, mm -hmm. Hank Christie with, you know, one of his best starts of the season, I thought his second best start outside of that Santa Clara game, how was he able to rebound and, you know, Pitch one in the Big Ten, which is tough for any freshman. Yeah, no, I mean Hank works. Um, Coach Reynolds, you know, works with Hank um, every day. But you know, it's, it's really those guys that that are going to execute the game plan that Coach Reynolds gives and execute pitches. And and uh, you know, just when when Hank's Hank's uh, on his game, you know, he's working the ball down, throwing his breaking ball for a strike, and and that's what he did to keep Penn State off balance. And then Sam Lawrence, your your freshman reliever, has really been a workhorse in the bullpen. How important it was to get out of this game with just using two pitchers? Yeah, it's huge. And I think, uh, you know, we, we would like to do that, um, you know, just kind of execute those two guys in there. And, and, and Sam just fills up the strike zone. You know, has good sink on his fastball. Um, you know, he, he made our hitters, uh, you know, our own guys um, look bad at times. And, and he's, he's showing that now in the Big Ten that when he's down in the zone, throwing his breaking ball for a strike and just getting good sink to his fastball, he's almost unhittable. Good performance offensively, despite the six hits, seven runs put up. Thought it was a good way to take two games from the Nittany Lions. Moving on to game three, this was a mm -hmm. tough one. Um, before we you know, move to the game a little, mentally, you know, you're at the point now where you feel like you have to sweep a team like Penn State. 
you know, I know there was disappointment, but what, what do you tell the team after a game like that? Yeah, you know, I think I think the goal in every series is, is to win the series. It's to win two out of three. So when you, when you win the first two, you know, the, the goal sometimes, you know, changes. You know, you want to sweep. Um, so, you know, going into the game, yeah, we were, we were talking about a sweep. You know, we had to get the game. Um, but then after, you know, after the loss, it was like, hey, you know, we, we didn't beat ourselves. Um, and we still got two out of three. And we're still in a good position to make the Big Ten tournament. Very clean game. It mm-hmm. was 2-1, you know, walk-off loss. Uh, really not a lot offensively, but how was the Joe Hoshite home run, you know, able yeah. to just spark your team? Yeah, that was huge. You know, I actually thought that we swung the bats okay. Um, we hit some balls hard. You know, Jack Clay's um, hit a couple balls hard right at guys. The left fielder made a diving catch. Um, Alex Arrow hit three hard balls that, again, didn't get any hits to show for it, but hits a ball in the gap that the right fielder makes a good play on. That falls, you know. We, we, you know, I think they'll lead off the lead off the inning. Um, we might score two or three runs that inning too. So they, they made some good plays. You know, I give credit to their to Penn State defense. You know, they made some good plays. I thought we swung the bats well. But when Hosh hit that home run, you know, I thought you know our dugout kind of changed and, and we had the lead there and we thought we were going to go win that game. In a close game, a lot of momentum shifts. Uh, I'll start actually with the the pitching. You know. Matt Gannon, another one of his best outings of, I think, the best outing of his young career so far. How is he able to just, you know, translate what he's been working on into a productive outing? Yeah, Gannon was great. Um, uh, he, he attacked the zone. Um, you know, he, he did a good job with Jack Clays and, and obviously uh, Coach Reynolds executing the game plan. And he was staying away and, and throwing his change up and fastball kind of from that same slot and, and getting weak contact and, and uh, kind of lazy fly balls that our outfielders were, were ready to, uh, to go run down. And Pete, Pete Hoffman pitched in this one. Um, Rich Forden came in, you know, it was a striker mm-hmm. walkout. I think it was fine that he walked the batter, but then high leverage situation. You bring back in Sam Lawrence, yep. the freshman who just pitched two and a thirds on Saturday, on Sunday, with the bases loaded in the in the eighth inning, you know. What was the decision behind that, and how did that inning play out? Yeah, you know, um, Pete, I think Pete got a big strikeout there, um, to get us one out there, which was huge. You know, that's right after, um, you know, uh, I think I think their coach got ejected. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so so that was good for Pete to keep his composure and, and get a big strikeout. Um, and then with the bases loaded, you know, we know Sam has good sync to his fastball. We were looking for, for a double play ball there. Um, and the guy hit a line drive right at Jack Dunn. Jack Dunn makes a great play. Um, and then we get a, get a weak ground ball to jack the, the next batter and get out of that inning. But, you know, right after that, I thought for sure we were going to win that game, use that momentum, and unfortunately it didn't happen. Yeah, it definitely felt like all the momentum mm-hmm. had shifted there in that eighth inning, the top of the ninth. You guys weren't able to do anything. And, you know, just to ask him, what was the decision to leave Sam Lawrence in to pitch the ninth? Spence mentioned to me, you know, it was the best option they had. I agree. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's Sunday late. You guys have been battling all weekend. Do you, do you like what what happened there? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, Coach Reynolds has a plan going into every game, and and you know he he uh, you know we as a staff decided to to leave Sam in there, and Sam was our best option at the time, and and um, you know he was he battled for us Saturday, got us out of that jam, and and uh, you know we know Sam likes to keep the ball down, and and uh, he's going to fill up the zone and and make those guys earn it, which I think that they did. The bullpen has been one of the stories of Northwestern throughout the month of April. You know, how, how important it's been you've got a few guys, especially Pete Hoffman, Josh Levy, Sam Lawrence, that have really been able to be shut down relievers. Yeah, I think all those guys have worked really hard. Um, they're a lot better pitchers um, today than they were when we started in, in February. And that's just a credit to them and, and, and battling through some tough times for them individually, but, but really just don't 
filling up the strike zone, executing the game plan, um, keeping the ball down, and, and, and letting our, our defense work for them. So as it stands now, 5-7 and seven in conference, tied with Michigan State right around that eighth spot, which is I know you guys want to be in at the end of the season for this Big Ten tournament. You know, looking at the schedule the rest of the way, obviously series with Michigan State coming up, what do you guys have to do to be in the right spot come the end of May? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been saying that it's a big series for the last four weeks now, which is, which is a good thing, you know, and that's what uh, Coach Allen told the guys is, hey, every weekend's big when you, when you win games and you're in the hunt. You know, we couldn't say that last year at this time. Um, you know, so, so really, you know, we just have to uh, take, it, take it game by game. I know it's cliche, but, but really, you know, pitch by pitch and, and uh, you know, just battle and, and we're playing at Rocky Motor Park, which is, which is great for us. Guys have a lot of confidence here. Um, but really, it's just go out there, win that first game, and, and, and see what happens. So we've obviously alluded to it a lot. The big mm-hmm. series coming yeah. up this weekend is against Michigan State, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, their record is 5-7 and seven in conference, mm-hmm. but all stats point to them being a very talented team, top four in batting average and ERA in the Big Ten. You know, what are you guys looking for this weekend from the Spartans? Yeah, um, I think, again, we're going to have a real challenge Friday night against uh, Troop, uh, their starter. And he's one of the top guys in the conference. And, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a good game plan uh, going in against him. Um, really going to have to battle him. And, and you know, uh, all their starters are throwing the ball well. And, and they got some good guys at the back end of the bullpen. So, really, we got, we got to try to get the starter out, you know, after five innings and, and get to the middle, middle relievers and take advantage of, of those guys. And then offensively, the Spartans, you know, they hit about a home run a game, pretty high yeah. clip, but they don't have necessarily one guy. They have three guys with six. You know, what's the game plan against a lineup that can hit a lot for power? And then, you know, obviously another question, how does the win factor in here yeah, at the park? Yeah, I think, I think you just have to keep the ball down. Um, you have to, you know, um, eliminate the free bases, which I think we lost that on Sunday against Penn State 9-2. You know, that's kind of the story of the game. So if we eliminate the free bases and, and uh, cut down the walks and, and stolen bases, wild pitches, um, errors, all that, you know, and they hit solo home runs, we can live with that. Um, sometimes, you know, it's, it, it is a big hitter's, hitter's park here. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit uh, colder this weekend with the wind blowing in. So we'll see. We have to execute from an offensive standpoint and play good defense and uh, limit the free bases. Offensively for your team, you know, you mentioned your seniors are hitting well. Jack Clays has been hitting well. Jack Dunn got mm-hmm. on base a lot. You even saw some production, you know, at the bottom of the lineup from Ben Dickey, mm-hmm. Willie Bourbon. You know, Leo Kaplan has been great. So really almost everyone's been offensively clicking right now yeah. for this team. Specifically, who are you looking for to step up this weekend and help your team get this series win? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a couple guys. Um, I know Coach Allen always mention, mentions uh, Jack Clays, but, but, he, but he's kind of our, our spark plug. You know, when he's in there, he always seems to come up with guys on base and get a big hit. Or, or you know, when we go a couple innings without get, getting anything going offensively, he usually leads off an inning and gets a, you know, hits a ball hard and gets on base. So, so Jack Clays is going to be one. Um, I also like to think, uh, you know. Ben Dickey, with how this park's going to play, you know, he can execute the short game a little bit, get on base, steal some bases. Um, and then I think Alex Arrows uh, is due for a breakout series. Um, he's, you know, he's hit the ball hard um, the last couple of games with not a lot of hits to show for it. But he's working hard. Um, I think he's, he's due for a breakout series. Thanks a lot, Coach. I appreciate it as always. We'll have all three games on the air this weekend. Should be a good one. Come out to the ballpark. Yeah, thanks for having me. Go Cats.